Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. Happy that you're here today and ready to study the Bible with us for the next 30 minutes. Uh, we're going to answer as many questions about the Bible as we can. And that's what we do on this program. Uh, a lot of religious programs you may watch on TV uh, tend to tell you what they think you ought to know. Uh, we do it a little bit different. We say, what would you like to know? Now, what do you think you need to know about the Bible? And we'll try to find the answers for you. So that's the way we uh, operate here. And we've got a phone number and a website on the screen. Use those anytime. Uh, if we're not there to answer the phone, you can leave a message. Uh, the uh, website works really good. We get all your questions quickly and can send you an email answer if you do it that way. So uh, get in touch with us. Tell us what you'd like us to talk about, and you direct the program. I'm Steve Tandy, and my partner is Toby Levering. Hi, Toby. Hi, Steve. Glad you're back and studied up and ready to go, and we always give our viewers one to start the show. So here's yours today, viewers. Uh, which prophet had a vision of a valley of dry bones? Famous story, famous song, actually, and multiple choice. Was it Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel? And we'll let you know the answer to that at the end of the program about the Valley of Dry Bones. And I think you drew the first one, so yes, sir. get us going here, Toby. Okay. Uh, viewer asks, uh, concerning confession in the Catholic Church, can sin be forgiven by a man? Well, as we say often on this program, we are not experts on what all religions do, and so take that for, for what it's worth. Uh, the second part of can sin be forgiven by a man, the Scripture does answer that quite clearly. That doesn't happen. Uh, only God can forgive sin, and God chooses to forgive sin only in Christ uh, and Christ alone. First uh, Timothy 2.5 says there's one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Um, he's the, the intermediary between us and God. So the idea of confessing sin to a, a religious leader, a priest, uh, that's not found in Scripture. Uh, my understanding is that's based on uh, the teachings of the Catholic Church and Catholic tradition. Uh, the Scripture does teach that we, sh you know, the idea of confession is not uh, an unbiblical one. Uh, we should do that. Uh, we should be honest about our sin with God and and with uh, our brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, that helps us um, uh, understand the things that we need to to do and uh, how we need to pay attention and tend to our uh, souls. Uh, James chapter five verse sixteen says, uh, "Therefore confess your sins to one another." Uh, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power at his, as it is working. Uh, I think it is uh, an important thing. I don't think you should confess everything to everybody, but I think if as you grow in Christ, you should have people that you know, trust, and love, and who know, trust, and love you. 
Uh, and when you are struggling with the sin, that you can confess that to them, not for their forgiveness, uh, but so that they can do just as James says, that they can pray for you and and uh, and help you through that and encourage you and, and maybe help you in, in some way if they need to. But uh, the idea of forgiveness of sin, uh, that comes from God alone through Christ Jesus, and certainly we need to be confessing sin uh, to him if we have those things. Let's look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, speaking about God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we can find forgiveness. Uh, and um, if you want to confess and ask for your brother or sister to pray for you, I think that's a fine thing to do. But confessing to a, uh, a priest uh, to be forgiven by another human being, that's that idea is not found in Scripture. Hope that helps. All right. If you want to know about uh, this non-biblical question, by the way, is your show taped or live? Uh, we get that question every once in a while. People wonder about the production of this program, so we answer that every year or so, I guess, to help people understand what we do. Uh, technically, I'd say the program is not taped or live because we don't have any tapes anymore. Uh, it's all digital. So it is recorded. Uh, we don't do it live. Uh, we record it, and the process is uh, we get questions all the time, some during the program and some after the program or middle of the night uh, on the recording machine and uh, on the website. So uh, either by phone or by email, we get questions. Uh, we take those and put them in a list. And after a little while, I make a script out of those uh, so that we have a variety of questions. Uh, we get some questions every week. Well, we don't answer them every week. We answer them every so many months or something. So I make a script that kind of balances out the questions. And then Toby and I come to the studio. We record uh, the shows. And then we send them to somebody, put closed captioning on them. Then they get distributed to all the broadcast markets that we have. Uh, and they're shown eventually. So that's the process. Uh, we stay about one or two months ahead, so we have a little trouble not mentioning holidays and things <laughs> like that. Uh, what we're recording today uh, won't be shown on your TV stations for a couple of months. So uh, that's the way the program operates. Uh, we are not live, but uh, we're happy to take as many questions as you can give us, and we keep up with them as best we can. I will mention this. If you send an email question, uh, you'll get an answer much quicker. Uh, some people give us a name and address when they call in, and we'll send you something in the mail, but it'll take a little while. Uh, and some people just want to see their program or their answer on the program, and we'll get to it just as quickly as we can. So that's the way we operate, and I hope it helps you understand the behind the scenes of Know Your Bible. Okay, uh, the question is, why did God seek to kill Moses in Exodus chapter 4? Verse 24, um, well, the answer to that is sin. Uh, there was a, seems to be a lack of reverence, but let me read from the Scripture, Exodus chapter 4. I believe verse 24 is on the screen. I'll read a few other verses after that. At a lodging place on the way, the Lord met him and sought to put him to death. Then Zipporah, verse 25, took a flint and cut off her son's foreskin and touched Moses' feet with it. Surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. 
So he let him alone. It was then that she said a bridegroom of blood because of the circumcision. All right, pretty grotesque uh, moment there in Scripture, what's happening. Uh, it seems that Moses had uh, neglected the circumcision of his son, which was a sign of the of the covenant. Now, um, of course, his wife was uh, Egyptian. Uh, he grew up in the Egyptian culture. That was very foreign and probably very offensive to them. Uh, and that was part because it was part of the Jewish covenant. So uh, you have the kind of the mixing of cultures here. Uh, and uh, this very, what they would have viewed as a very barbaric act. But the reason that God uh, wanted or was set out to kill Moses in that instance was because he was not uh, giving the Lord reverence. He was not uh, abiding by the covenant. And he was called to be God's leader of, of his people. And so you can't have a, a leader lead uh, God's people toward the Lord if uh, the leader himself is not abiding uh, by God's commands. So uh, I think that the heart of it is just the irreverence. Uh, Moses was supposed to teach and lead the Israelites, uh, but in this simple act was, uh, for some reason, not. Maybe he knew it was going to cause problems. Maybe uh, his wife didn't want to do it, but ultimately uh, got taken care of, and uh, they got about the business of, of leading the people of God. So it's kind of an unusual story, but that's where it's found, and uh, the answer is the irreverence uh, and the disobedience of Moses. Hope that helps. We enjoy studying the Bible with you each week for a little bit and uh, answering as many questions as we can. But we always take this moment to advocate home Bible study. Uh, God's Word is much more important in our lives than uh, we can cover in answering a few questions in 30 minutes each week. So we do promote uh, people sitting down with their own Bible and reading and studying through it. And we know that's hard to get started at sometimes, uh, difficult to know where to begin or how to do it. Uh, so over the years, we've come up with some tools that we think are really helpful, and we offer them to you absolutely free of charge. Here's the first course. There are eight lessons in it. Uh, just a good overview of the Bible, nothing, you know, not tied to any denomination or creed, just Bible study. And then there's other more advanced courses that will take you through the life of Jesus and the book of Acts and a number of different interesting topics. Uh, you can study the Bible for quite a while with Know Your Bible Study Tools. We've got some online courses that we're happy to offer. Just log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and uh, you can get set up to study the Bible online digitally. So uh, a great way you don't have to wait for the mail or... Uh, take time to send it and wait for your grading uh, just all happens quickly so a lot of different ways to study the bible we're happy to offer those to you all of them are free of charge uh, use the website or the phone number on the screen if you'd uh, like the free course just tell us you want that free course and we'll get it started for you all right kind of a deep question here a viewer wants to know if jesus knew that his death was meant to be uh, why would he feel forsaken by God? All right, good point. If he knew it was coming, why did he think that God forsook him? And, of course, that point comes from Matthew chapter 27, verse 46. Let's look at it on the screen. Uh, it tells about the crucifixion of Jesus. It says, about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
All right, so our viewer says, okay, he knew it was going to happen. He, he knew what was coming. Uh, so why did this seem like a forsaking to him? It was part of the plan. Well, uh, my answer, I guess, would be that he knew what was coming, but it was still something he had never experienced. Uh, separation from the Father was something he had never experienced. He and the Father had been one forever, uh, eternally. And now he knew that that was happening, and he did know enough about it to want out of it. Uh, the prayer in the garden, uh, he prayed to the Father. He said, is there some other way we can do this? I don't want to do this, uh, but if it's your will, I will do it. So we know he understood that much. And bear in mind, he was fully man now. Uh, so he knew enough to not want to do it. But when it came time for it, uh, my only description of it is it had to be unimaginably worse than he could possibly have imagined in any way. Uh, so he said, why have you forsaken me? This is beyond... Uh, anything I could have imagined, separation from the Father. And beyond that, I can't explain it much. I don't know the, the mind of God there, uh, but I think from a human perspective, that's the best explanation I have. It, it's a little bit to me like uh, a couple that's been married for many, many years. Uh, they've been together forever, 60 years, maybe 70, and they both know that one of, the, one of them is going to die first. Okay, And they know that. They understand that. But when it happens, they still ask, why? Why did this have to happen? This is worse than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I, I knew it would be a separation, but this is horrible. Okay, So from a human perspective, maybe we can understand it a little bit that way. Uh, but separating the Son from the Father for the first time in eternity... Uh, was certainly a shock to Jesus. All right, the next question is, was Jesus of the Old Testament or the New Testament? My answer to that is yes. Uh, Jesus was in uh, both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Now, how he uh, manifested himself looks a lot different. Uh, there are many prophecies in the Old Testament. In fact, if you really think about it, the whole Bible uh, is is centered around Jesus from Genesis chapter 3 at the fall of man all the way to the story of the deliverance of Israel and the prophets of God. Uh, throughout this, you find what some call the scarlet thread of Scripture, which is pointing to the Savior, which we needed from Isaiah 53, which uh, the Scripture was clear that he would be uh, as one rejected by men, the suffering servant. Uh, Steve just answered a question about being forsaken by God. That was a fulfillment of the uh, uh, prophecy of Psalm 22, uh, where it says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? And Jesus was quoting scripture uh, when he uh, was on the cross saying, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Uh, and there are I mean, many, many more scriptures throughout the Old Testament that prophesy and predict uh, the coming Messiah. Uh, we don't have time to list them all on the program, but when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, he said, Do not think that I've come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. 
He was saying that he was the fulfillment of those predictions, promises, and prophecies uh, concerning him. He absolutely was the Messiah. So in that way, he was in the Old Testament and fulfilled in the New Testament as he, uh, the, the, the incarnation, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. There's a second way in which uh, Christ is in the Old Testament. We call this kind of the type of Christ. Uh, there's a um, man by the name of Tim Keller who wrote these words, Jesus is the true and better Adam who passed the test in the garden and whose obedience is imputed to us. He's the true and better Abraham who call, who answered the call of God to leave the comfortable and familiar and go out in uh, to the void not knowing whither uh, he went to create a new people of God. Uh, and so he goes through and he just looks at the... At the um, uh, different characters of the Bible and look at how they were a foreshadowing of a type uh, pointing to Jesus the Christ. Jesus is the true and better. Joseph, who at the right hand of the king forgives those who betrayed him and sold them and sold him and uses his new power to save them and on and on it goes. So, uh, yes, Jesus is certainly predicted uh, throughout the Old Testament. We see types of him in different ways in the Old Testament. And Jesus, of course, comes on the scene in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and that we see the words, uh, his teachings, uh, the, the, all of that uh, as the church grows, starting in Acts chapter 2 and continuing forward to the end. So Jesus is the centerpiece, is the whole reason uh, for the scriptures. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 8, verse 6. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is as superior to theirs, being of the old covenant, as the covenant of which he is the mediator is superior to the old one, since the new covenant is established on better promises. We're in a different covenant, but it's the same Jesus in both. So I hope that helps uh, help us see Jesus in the old and the new. All right, viewers, got a question for us. Where does it say, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat? Uh, viewers heard that's in the Bible maybe or maybe read it one time and wondered, where is that? Is it really in the Bible? Uh, yes, that's really in the Bible. And it is in Second Thessalonians. So let's go there, Second Thessalonians 3 and verse 10. Paul writes to the church there. He says, for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule. If a man will not work, he shall not eat. Now, you read a little, that sounds kind of cruel, doesn't it? But you read a little context around there. And Paul is talking about Christians who are idle, who are lazy, who could work but aren't working, uh, relying on other people to take care of them. And he says about those idle brothers, he says, we told you that if somebody won't work, then don't let them eat. Uh, don't give them food. Uh, make them work for it. In the very next verse, uh, he says, after that 3.10, he says in 3.11, he said, those who are idle uh, need to get busy need to get to work and earn their own living. Uh, so that's what that passage is about. Uh, now, it doesn't mean that Paul expected people to starve to death or that he wanted people to starve to death. Uh, Paul knew enough about human nature to realize that if somebody got hungry enough and nobody gave them food, that pretty soon they'd say, well, I guess I better go get to work or I'm going to starve to death. Uh, that's a human part of nature is self-preservation. So if somebody can get something for free and not have to work and they're lazy, they'll get by that way. But if that's cut off, uh, if they have to work, they will because they want to stay alive. 
So that's what Paul's talking about here. That's the general principle. And it emphasizes the Christian work ethic, we call it. Uh, Christians shouldn't be lazy. They shouldn't uh, be dependent on other people. They should work for their living. Now, I realize there are some people who can't. Uh, through disabilities or other things, they can't work for a living. And yes, we ought to help them somehow. Uh, but Paul's here talking about able people who are able to work and are just too lazy to do it. And he says, don't feed them and they'll go to work. So that's the plan. All right, let me take just a moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. Uh, churches of Christ produce this program and keep it on the air. And we like to mention a couple of churches each week today. Let me talk about some in central, south central Kansas. Sylvia and Isabel are both uh, fine, long-time church congregations of the Church of Christ. Uh, both of them believe in this program and help us stay on the air. And we thank them. We like to pass your thanks along to them if you live in one of those communities and know somebody that goes to the Sylvia Church of Christ or the Isabel Church of Christ, uh, tell them you saw them on the air the other day and appreciate them providing this program for you. Whatever viewing market you're in, there's probably a Church of Christ close to you. Uh, we invite you to drop in and thank them. Or if you're looking for a church home, drop in and visit. Uh, you'd be warmly welcomed, I'm sure. All right, a question about the Bereans. Uh, did the Bereans have printed scriptures to search each day. And some of you may be asking, who in the world are the Bereans? Well, they're a group of Christians, and uh, they were gathered at Berea, and they were kind of uh, you know, known for a very unique characteristic among their people, which is commendable. Uh, let's look at uh, Acts chapter 17, verses 10 and 11. The brothers immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. And when they arrived, they went into the Jewish synagogue. Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And uh, that just does a preacher's heart good. Uh, that's, a, that's a good example. What we call a, a Berean spirit is a, a person who doesn't just take the word of those teaching or speaking, but is looking in the scriptures to verify if what the speaker is saying is true. And it's not just looking at the voice, the verses maybe that the speaker or teacher points out, but also the rest of scripture as well. And some of you have a very Berean spirit. You'll hear us mention something or a topic and you may write into us with a, what about this verse or that verse? And that's great. Uh, we always should be aligning ourselves to God's word. That's a very noble thing to do. Uh, and in today's world, we have uh, some that are more like the Thessalonians and some that are more like the Bereans. Some that, you know, hey, just whatever somebody says, we just accept that at face value and they presume they have good intentions and presume they're teaching sound doctrine. But there are others who say, mm, well, let's take just a minute look what the scripture says. That's why, by the way, we call this program Know Your Bible and not Know What Steve and Toby Says, because uh, ultimately what we say matters very little. What matters very much is what God's word says. And so that's what we're talking about. The Berean attitude is uh, those who search the scriptures. Did they have printed? They were in the synagogue. They probably didn't each have the individual like we're used to today, uh, but they certainly had the uh, desire to go look and roll out the scrolls and see if these things which Paul and Silas were saying were true. And that's the heart of it. So uh, very good spirit, very honorable. Hope that you're like that on this program, watching with your Bibles open. And uh, that's what the Brians did.
All right, Beers got a question about uh, what would happen, or what do you think would happen, if only Eve ate the fruit and Adam had stayed faithful to God? Well, obviously my answer is I have no idea. Uh, that's not the way it worked out, so I don't know what would have happened. I, I guess from a human point of view, if that happened, I guess we could have had the first divorce right after the first marriage. Uh, definitely would have caused problems. Uh, maybe had the first separation because Eve would have had to leave the garden because of her sin, and I guess Adam could have stayed. Uh, obviously, we're just speculating here and uh, guessing about things. I have no idea what would have happened then. God could have made a second woman, I guess, as long as we're supposing, but that's not what happened. Uh, so kind of fruitless to speculate about a whole lot, but lots of things in the Bible are interesting to think about. Um, got a little time left. Let me go back to that question I had about if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. Uh, that's become uh, not politically correct uh, to think about that. And years ago, that was a biblical principle that pretty well everybody uh, agreed to. That's the way uh, communities functioned. There were people that didn't have jobs that were in hard places and the church often took care of them uh, and supported them but required them to do something, to do some work. Uh, and I guess what happened is government took that over and uh, started not requiring work and created a few problems. Can <laughs> Yeah, and you know it's interesting when you look at scriptures really God, I mean, even in the beginning with Adam, he gave Adam a work allotment. He told him, you need to do some things. And there's yeah. something within, I think, just the way God's wired us, whether you do brain work or, or you, <laughs> you do back work, however you do it, your work, uh, there's something that fulfills you. Uh, there's something that uh, fulfills your purpose that God yeah. has for you when you do your work and certainly honoring God by doing it well. Yeah, that's a good point. And sometimes we take a verse like that and say, all right, well, that this is kind of mean of God or cruel of God. Yeah. God knows how He designed us and He knows what's good for us. Mm -hmm. And it's not good for you to just laze around and do nothing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's That's... good for you to work, to provide for yourself. In fact, uh, the New Testament writers say not only work for yourself, provide for your own family, uh, but make enough that you can help other people. Right. Well, and I mean, you, you know this, and there are some, I mean, when you kind of reach the, the season of life, when you're in um, just doing different types of work, retirement and so forth, uh, people in that phase of life still have to find something to do. They need to find, a, you know, a, a, a hobby to get after, a business to run, or things to help other people out. Uh, it's just part of being fulfilled as a person, and, and you're right, it's what God it's a blessing to us, ultimately. Yeah, that's what we need in life. So mm -hmm. uh, anyhow, that verse is kind of interesting that uh, we've gotten so far away from it that we we have a few problems in the society because of that. Yeah. All right, well, we're about out of time here. Let's look at make sure we get our trivia question answered. And we <laughs> had a question today about the Valley of Dry Bones and which prophet had that vision. Uh, was it Isaiah, Jeremiah, or Ezekiel? And it was Ezekiel. And if you go to chapter 37, you'll read an interesting story, a prophecy about a valley of dry bones that Ezekiel prophesied to. And uh, they started rattling and got back together. 
Uh, it's a cool chapter, and it's an even cooler song. Look that up on Google sometimes. The Valley of Dry Bones, the Dim Bones and Bones. I'm glad you've been with us today, and hope you come back next week. Till then, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.